When you know that you are queer, but your favorite drink is beer, that's gayish. You can bottom without stopping, but you can't stand going shopping, that's gayish. Oh, gayish, you're probably gayish. Well, life's just too short for narrow stereotypes, so it's gayish. We're also gayish. It's gayish with Mike and Kyle. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is Gayish. The podcast that's as useful as a hedgehog in a condom factory. <laughs> it's a pizza picture, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that was submitted uh, to our the podcast that contest by Instagram user Winter Rosie. So, hey, Winter Rosie, good job! What a weird opening <laughs> sentence that I really loved. Uh, message us with your info, and we'll send you your, your winning sticker pack. Yeah, I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Guest, and we're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. And today, what would a hedgehog do in a cotton factory? <laughs> um poke holes in all of them roll around or maybe like adopt one cuddle eat, with it eat all of the coins oh, <laughs> why are there coins in a condom factory i don't know why is sonic the hedgehog a thing well sonic the hedgehog <laughs> is the specific hedgehog there yeah all right he's <laughs> trying to practice safe sex practices that's good for you sonic mm-hmm. um today we're going to talk about World War Two. World War Two. The feel good a topic. <laughs> topic. A topic I never would have picked on my own. But thank you, Mark Walcott, a uh, Gap Bridger, for requesting this and making us look up history. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, but first. But first, uh, a quick correction. It's not that big of a deal, but I just want to throw it out there. Uh, I had said that I thought that Bogdanovich was involved with Cher's music, and no, he just. They were involved in two different movies together. He was the shitty director yeah. that. Okay. Yeah, and I just he he had nothing to do with music. She she was in a movie. He it did not go well, <laughs> and yet despite that, she signed up to do another movie with him later. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. It. Okay, cool. Um, also at a certain level of Patreon, if you send in one hundred words, I will read them. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a it is a underutilized benefit of our of our of our patreon supporters um but we have 100 words this week which i think it's more like 180 words but whatever (laughs) i still kind of like it um comes to us from trent bullock Dear Mike, Kyle, and fucking And again, Dan. you're not reading the 100 words right now. You're reading the email containing 100 words, which is still very odd to me. Great. Deal with it, Kyle. I, I... <laughs> First, you all rock, and I love the podcast. I wasn't a regular podcast listener before I found Gayish, but now I look forward to the new episodes every week, as well as the Patreon bonuses. They are a highlight and always bring a smile to my face, even when I am down in the dumps, which brings me to write my 100 words. To put it short and bluntly, October 2021 was a hard month, and not the good kind of hard. Mm-hmm. I had my heart broken, which of course happens to most everyone. It has even happened to me before, but for whatever reason, I felt like this time it was particularly difficult to get over. In the aftermath, I began writing a letter to the heartbreaker because I did some reading and somewhere came across that as an idea that might help bring myself some closure, Hmm. but I never finished it, mostly out of laziness. But in part because I realized maybe he wasn't the one I needed to be writing to. Maybe it was myself that needed the love, words of affirmation, and outpouring of feelings that I was considering sending to someone who didn't have those same feelings for me. So here below is my hundred words. I know these beginning paragraphs put me well above the limit, but if you feel so moved, feel free to read everything on air. And also please excuse any cliches I put in here. I'm a scientist, not a poet. A love letter to myself. What is a scientist but a poet of the chemicals? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 
I am a poet, by the way, so I would know. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> a poet, and you do know it. That's great. Hmm. Yeah. A love letter to myself. Dear Trent, first, be honest. October 2021 sucked, but also recognize the facts. Despite that suckage, you made it through. Being alive is hard. Relationships are hard. Graduate school is hard. But despite all that, you survived and even learned some things about yourself along the way. One, you are strong and resilient. When you put your mind to it, you're a tour de force, the likes of which little can stand in the way. Two, you are young and patient. The right things and people in your life will come along in the just right way. Three, you are brave. You put yourself out there and let others know how you feel. It has not killed you. You've been hurt, even for a while on some occasions, but you can be vulnerable and that is a brave and radical thing. Life will continue to try you in new and interesting ways, but you have survived and even thrived through everything it has thrown at you so far. Keep your head up and keep trying, even if that effort looks different each day. Sincerely, T. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's very well written. Yeah. And yeah. Don't sound like a scientist at all. Yeah, which <laughs> sounds like a compliment, like that you're think trying to give. But yeah, I like the technique writing a love letter to yourself. I think that's lovely. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, and that's like a nice shift from originally thinking of like writing to your ex to being like, you know what? No, I'm not the like that ex does not deserve that energy right now. I'm the one who deserves the energy. Yeah, I like that that thought process too. Absolutely. Well, that's uh, that's the hundred words for this week, and uh, we did feedback and corrections. So, news now the news. Shut your mouth hole. It's time for your ear holes. News, 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 news. The first, uh, the United States Navy has launched a ship named after Harvey Milk. Yeah, on on theme today. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the, the Navy, the gayest branch of the military, <laughs> is officially christened, that tradition. Is officially christened and launched the USNS Harvey Milk. Um, so, if you don't know about Milk, we've talked about him on the show before. But like Harvey Milk is a big deal in in gay rights. He was the the first openly gay man in U.S. history to be elected to public office in 1977. Uh, he was elected to the San Francisco Board of City Supervisors, and then uh, tragically. Um, a year later, he was assassinated by Dan White, another city supervisor who had lost his job. He pled the Twinkie defense. You know, we've talked. That about was this. on that was on a uh, Patreon where Dan oh. detailed the Twinkie defense. Oh well, but uh, something I did not know or realize is that n- not only is he this massive character in LGBT history, in the fifties he was in the Navy. Hmm. He was a diving officer on a submarine rescue ship during the Korean War and reached the grade of junior grade lieutenant. And uh, then he actually got kicked out of the military because he got caught in a park. <laughs> Doing what, Mike? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> His, quote, sexuality came into question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he was forced out of the Navy in 1955. But uh, the, the Navy uh, has, has now launched the USNS Harvey Milk. And I just like the idea that of like some homophobe like being assigned to that ship, mm, and yeah. like they have to fucking deal with the fact that they live inside Harvey. Milk. Yeah, they have to ride Harvey Milk <laughs> everywhere they go. Yeah. Although there, I I don't know if this will come up when you talk about like the rights of discharged um, veterans. Mm. Um, 
uh, I don't know like where it's at right now, but there's so many things that are like cool like recognition and publicity and names are uh, that's important but also like hey have you gone back and updated all the people that were discharged from the military and gave them honorable discharge and make sure they're getting their like va benefits like you know some of those like things that happen are a lot in name to like quell actual work they could be doing to fix shit and yeah no no for sure and and um you wonder how much of that has to do with money, right? Like it's yeah. it's easy to say we forgive you, yeah, and like <laughs> paint something a different name on a ship than you planned is very easy, but yeah, yep, yep. So, uh, the Harvey Milk is the second in a fleet of six ships named after civil and human rights leaders, as well as milk. They include Sojourner Truth, Chief Justice Earl Warren, Robert F. Kennedy, suffragist Lucy Stone, and Representative John Lewis of Georgia. Recognize a couple of those. Yeah. Also, happy Veterans Day. Oh, yeah. To all of you who are veterans, thank you for your service. Yeah. Is, is this coming out on Veterans Day? Is it that is. The, wow. Well, yeah. Patreon got it yesterday. Oh, but, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. For uh, everybody else, today is Veterans Day. Yeah. Thanks to our LGBT veterans who often, as we will describe in detail momentarily, mm-hmm. do not get the appropriate recognition needed as a, as a group. Yep. News the second? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we talked on last week's news or maybe the week before. I forget. Time has no meaning, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Dr. Rachel Levine, uh, who was sworn in as a four-star admiral of the U.S. Public Health and Service Commissioned Corps. Um, then Republican Congressman Jim Banks has been suspended from Twitter after repeatedly misgendering her. Mm. Um, he said, uh, quote the title of first female four-star officer gets taken by a man um and uh uh, twitter removed that tweet because it violates their rules they uh, cited their hateful conduct policy which prohibits quote targeting others with repeated slurs tropes or other content that intends to dehumanize degrade or reinforce negative or harmful stereotypes about a protected category which includes targeting misgendering or dead names of trans people um he then has a he did that on his official congressman twitter oh shit so then he went over to his personal twitter and said (laughs) uh he tweeted twitter has suspended my official account for posting a statement of fact all caps fact (laughs) fucking white republicans love facts yeah kyle they're real good (laughs) so good at yes you know when you capitalize the word fact it must be true oh my god yeah yelling something always makes it more true yeah i won't back down i'll be posting on my personal account for the time being please retweet this message and follow me big tech must be held accountable they don't have to agree with me but they shouldn't be able to cancel me if they silence me they will silence you just threw a big old fucking hissy fit (laughs) and i'm here for it i mean uh, People that like serve in office, having their Twitter account be canceled and claiming cancel culture is the perfect synonym or like the perfect example of like why that's not a thing. You hold public office where you're the one that's voting for shit. Closing your Twitter account is not canceling you because you still have a fucking vote. Like it's just insane. Yep. For sure. For sure. And your freedom of speech does not... (laughs) apply to twitter yeah yeah you you have a severe misunderstanding for what uh the first amendment says as most republicans do when they claim it yeah yep anyway 
fuck that guy. Fuck his Twitter. Yeah. Fuck the world. Great. Okay. Great. <laughs> News the last. Yeah. I saved the fun one for last. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> how do I want to do this? Cal Penn of Harold and Kumar fame. Oh, yeah. Came out this week. Cal uh, Penn sounds like a baseball team I didn't follow. Right. Yeah, something. exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got my first degree in accounting from Cal Penn. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, he, he, he came out this week and announced that he and his partner of 13 years are getting married. And then, uh, oh, 11 years, sorry, 11 years, 13 years stuck out in my head for some reason. Anyway. Um, cause it looks like a dick in a butt. Mm, yep. Yep. Although so, 11, two dicks. That's funny too. <laughs> uh, uh, Penn met his fiance. Ten, a dick in a hole. Oh, <laughs> yeah. any, so many good numbers just, are in this area. Yeah, gays, stop having anniversaries at 10. <laughs> like, that's the perfect one. You just stop. You can just stop there. Um, Penn met his fiance when the two were working for former President Barack Obama. And uh, a few days later, he tweeted, as at Cal Penn, uh, uh, he tweeted, Cardi B was on my flight to L.A. I fell asleep and had a dream that she officiated our wedding on the plane and the three of us walked out of LAX holding hands. <laughs> um, Cardi B saw the tweet and tweeted back, I'm licensed to do that, so let me know. <laughs> um, and then, and then, uh, yeah, he, he responded, holy shit, and said, let's do it. We're down if you're down. And she's... Uh, yeah, she said, "I'm down. I'll get my suit." So apparently, 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 Cardi B is going to wow. officiate Cal Penn's wedding. Um, and then somebody made the joke that they're gonna the reception is gonna have tiny White Castle burgers and macaroni in a pot. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so just I, I think it's adorable. That's a, that is super adorable. Also, like that's crazy to like come out. Like people must have known, like to be engaged to someone. It's hard to keep that secret for that long. Like people, there must be some like group of people that knew. Like I don't know. I just that that's crazy to be able to hold back that secret, and especially news of like an engagement for for yeah. so long. Yeah, absolutely. Or like um, a lot of pressure. Like Elvira's partner, yeah. like to be totally dead silent for yeah. 30 years or some shit or whatever that's and insane i get i get too that there's the phenomenon of like when was i supposed to scream i'm gay yeah, yeah, like, yeah. i just was living <laughs> my life i wasn't i wasn't in the closet i ever was out to everybody who like gave a fuck yeah but like i didn't make a press release and so anyway yeah, like, yeah. it's just funny how it works and that's the news that's the news um well speaking of people who are i'm gonna assume have uh made several press releases about being gay Mm-hmm. Um, are the following Patreon members. We have a bunch to get through, so um, hang in there. Uh, first is uh, Guy in a Polo Shirt. Mm. Okay. That's birth name, presumably. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's Winter B. Winter B. Yeah. Oh, Cardi B's brother. Cardi B's brother. <laughs> <laughs> He's very cold. Uh, James Dunn. Uh mm. Richard Finger, <laughs> I don't even. I'm sure he's heard it all. Um, and Keith McDonald. Uh, so thank you to all our new Patreon members. You can become a Patreon member by going to Patreon.com/slash/GayishPodcast. Uh, among uh, things we do that with money we get there, it's able to support us. Like we recently traveled to Yakima to mm-hmm. uh, both 
like speak at their pride and perform there. We pay Dan's salary with that money. We buy equipment. Um, so we do a lot of great things and really appreciate your support. We absolutely appreciate your support. And we're getting close to like thinking we can probably bankroll a tour. It's just a question of when to do that yeah. and, and COVID responsibility and yeah. chances that y'all would actually show up. Yeah. Shit like that. Yeah. We had originally set a goal of 3000 a month to, to, uh, do some kind of tour. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about World War II? Let's talk about World War II. Uh, Mark Walcott is no. one of our Gap Bridgers, which after three months of being a Gap Bridger, you're able to come up with an episode topic. I think it's uh, a really great way to encourage us. I wouldn't say force because we all agree on that. We all chat and agree on the topic, but like it really encourages us to do things. I would not have picked to research World War II. You like history and I, I, I as an adult, I'm liking it better mm. or like mm. coming to understand how important it is to like relating it to modern day like shit. So yeah. I, you know, and LGBT history is uh, now particularly very interesting to me, yeah. but, um, yeah, so thanks for encouraging us to do this, Mark. I, I learned some shit, and hopefully you at home will learn some shit, too. Yes. You should never learn anything from this show, though, just so everyone knows. <laughs> <laughs> we are not doctors, nor should we be listened to. <laughs> uh, do you want to say stuff? Do you want me to? Are you going to, like, I don't know. Th- all of this is history, so you kind of yeah. had your, your history of segment squ- squelched. Yeah, exactly right. And I, I think... I, I do want to give a brief sort of overview, and I'm talking like 30,000 foot view, just to sort of put World War II in context when it comes to queer people and LGBT mm, okay. issues, right? So the, 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 the 20s, there's actually a lot of gay shit that's happening in the 20s. If you look at, at gay history, there's um, our whole society, despite prohibition, had this like... Um, we were, we were partying and fucking and there was like a lot of sexual energy. So I, I think it's important to, to remember that there's this like roaring 20s. There's this like party time era that put a lot of things underground because of prohibition. And that carved out these spaces like, well, if we're all hiding from the authorities because like even straight people are hiding from the authorities because <laughs> they're getting wasted, that creates the ability for queer people to do the same. And, and, and they did. So then that's interesting being like, now we're all illegal. You right? know, like it's it, there's something of obviously shitty, but like unifying about ev- like you're you're a g- degenerate, too, because you're drinking. So like we're part of the same group in a way. Yep, absolutely. And and then so then the, the depression happens, though, and that's pretty depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of shit changes really quickly. But that leads into the the first prohibition is repealed in 1933 we're like that experiment sucked we're (laughs) we're done with this booze for everyone yeah combined with this rise of nationalism in germany and and that the nazi movement starts rolling and the united states is trying to stay out of it right like our stated goal was that we're going to work on the depression. We're going to work on FDR's new deal. We're going to work on our economic recovery. We are not getting involved. And then all of that comes to a head when 
Pearl Harbor happens and then the United States has to enter the war and it happens quickly. And that's important for some stuff we're going to talk about later. Um, and then, you know, the, the war is over in 1945. There's some like cleanup stuff that has to, has to happen, but then basically everyone also very quickly rushes home and that has these major impacts on gender roles the way that our economy works, the um, the creation of the American middle class is all post-war stuff. Suburbs aren't a thing really until the post-war years. And that creates a whole bunch of issues. And it's just a, a fascinating time for gay people because there's this zone right between World War II ending and McCarthyism and the communist witch hunt and, and, and the lavender scare in the the 50s that's actually kind of interesting and okay for gay people there's (laughs) like yeah yeah there's this there's this there's this little period of time there and this is something else that mark wanted us to to talk about it also impacts then the gay ghettos or the gayborhoods or uh whatever whatever you want to call it these these gay districts start to pop up in especially coastal cities um Anyway, that's that's broad brush strokes, sort of what we're what we're in. I, I think it's it's important to 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 recognize like all of these things that are these big major events ultimately affect queer people also, yeah. and and um, we we were doing our best to survive, and um, World War Two was surprisingly good for us in a lot of ways. Mm. So. Anyway, it's weird to. It was also very bad for us in a lot of ways. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, should I? Maybe I can uh, talk about Hitler's frenemy, Ernst Rom. Okay. Can I? Can I go on my uh, a thing? Yeah. Do it. Okay. Okay. Uh, this will also tell you a little bit about the um, kind of chronicling. Um, Hitler, the rise of Hitler, World War II, um, uh, from a little bit of a gay lens. But um, so uh, Ernst Rom, there are a lot of German words in here that I'm not going to say right. And I'm <laughs> pretty indifferent towards your <laughs> feelings about that. But um, he was born in uh, 1887 in Munich. Um, he served in the army. He was like big army person. He joined the army in 1906. He was injured multiple times in multiple different kind of involvements in the war. Um uh, he was unkillable. <laughs> he, there were mul- like yes, there were times where he like got some like disease and was supposed to die, and that, like yeah, he, he um, his face was kind of scarred from war injuries and like yeah. So hot. he <laughs> no, 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 we're not going to do the hot Nazi oh, thing. Oh <laughs> no, no, he just wasn't. We can if you oh, want well. to. It just wasn't him. Um, um. Uh, so eventually he he like. Uh, just basically was uh, kind of stuck to, to death duty. Um, he was after World War One. He was angered by the Treaty of Versailles um, that limited the German military to no more than a hundred thousand people. He believed in a very strong uh, uh, Germany, which <laughs> that's ominous. You know, when you <laughs> once you know what happens, like that's. Uh, um, in uh, 1919, he was frustrated by both the political parties in Germany, so he joined a third, which was the German Workers' Party. Okay. <laughs> which was totally fine, and nothing bad happened. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, Hitler joined the army around the, that, or that 
party around the same time. They became friends. The uh, main, uh, eventually the main ruling party uh, started, um, there's a whole ton of shit that I'm going to leave out because it's impossible to talk about all this um, in not a book form. But as part of the weakening main ruling party, Hitler and Rom and uh, this other dude started to plan a revolution, which is known as the Beer Hall Pooch. That sounds weirdly fun. Um, well, it depends on which I, for it, it's, um, I want to do a beer hall pooch. Come yeah, on. It's not just like running around and drinking beer at different bars or something, <laughs> but, um, it was, uh, an, a, an attempted takeover of the, the ruling party. They like locked themselves in this beer hall, uh, for a bit. They started like marching down and, uh, guns were drawn. Eventually they, they lost, they like did not successfully take over the working or the, the, uh, main ruling party. So, uh, they were both arrested the next morning, Rom Hitler and eight other people were tried for in 1924 for high treason. Mm. Um, and Rom was, and this, during this time when Hitler went to prison, that's when he wrote Mein Kampf. Mm. Um, uh, Rom was found guilty, sentenced to 15 months in prison. I was actually, it was interesting to see, like seeing some of the sentences we're getting these days for the January 6th attempted coup of the United States. Is yeah. Not many news outlets sh- as they should be calling it, but don't um, like, you know, like this person gets six months in prison for this. And you're like, really? That's the, that's yeah. the punishment for like trying to overthrow the U S Capitol. Here, Rom was found guilty and sentenced to 15 months in prison. That's the punishment, I guess, for high treason. And the sentence was suspended and he was placed on probation. No. No. Okay. Bad. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. Don't overthrow the government. And then they were like, sat, sat him in time out for a little bit. Yeah. Um, Maybe he's into that. Maybe he's got some subby stuff happening. No, he was very (laughs) dummy. He like super masculine thought that like masculinity was like, you know, war and strength and power and whatever. Uh, Ron was sent to Bolivia or or went to Bolivia in uh, 1980 or 28 joined the military there. The political party he was in, which would eventually become the Nazis um, weren't, weren't doing great. Weren't taking over, but uh, Hitler requested him to come back. Um, oh, no, he he went there. And then in 1928, Hitler requested uh, for him to come back. Uh, Hitler made Rom the chief of staff of the SA, which the SA is the paramilitary group that they <laughs> were not allowed to have over 100,000 in the military. But they were like, eh, this group of people that we're collecting and organizing aren't military. Right. They're just random people with guns that we direct and organize. Yeah. You know, like they just like marching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing and, wrong with that. Yeah. Um, so he became uh, the person that oversee oversaw that group. Hitler put him as the um, person to oversee them. So he, yeah, he's the chief of staff. He um, uh, during 1931, that same year, a leftist newspaper outed him as gay. Mm. So it was kind of a well-known secret within the Nazi party that he was gay. Um, but this is when it became a, a public scandal. And it's really interesting. Um, the reason I'm talking about this dude is because it's it's interesting to see how they felt about gay people. Like yeah. from this is a very like very personal connection that this dude had to Hitler and his treatment of an actual gay person that is at his side uh, I think can sometimes be more illuminating than like policy or whatever is based on yeah. theory or 
you know, you can demonize these groups of people and do shitty things, but it's like, how do you actually interact with a gay person? So um, they were really close. Rom was the only uh, senior Nazi who addressed Hitler by his first name, uh, or sometimes he used the nickname Addy. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? Hey, Addy! It's like the the ruler of the Nazi party. Hey, Addy, what's up? Um, uh, Or he would use the... uh, the German familiar do for you mm-hmm. um, instead of a more formal uh, reference. Z. Oh, sounds like gender neutral mm. <laughs> pronoun, but no. <laughs> um, uh, Hitler knew he was gay, didn't really seem to mind. Depending on who he talked to, it either was immaterial or it was okay. Like, didn't really seem to address it. Uh, Rom appointed other gay leaders to this SA paramilitary group. The That's fa- where he fucked up. Right. Not like, a re- uh, gay, we're fine with, but don't you start recruiting an army and, like, mobilizing gay troops to the top of the organization. Maybe. I mean, yeah. Up to, maybe, that might be. It's hard to know exactly what, like, you know, point of this is a, um, his his downfall. Uh, spoiler. But um, the fact that he and um, Hitler were close started rumors that Hitler himself was gay mm-hmm. parties that were opposing Hitler used Rom to Rom apparently went to Berlin, uh, Berlin's gay clubs and stuff mm-hmm. like what was like was like out and other people used his gayness. The fact that he was out uh, to attack the political party as uh, um, referring to him as Hitler's queer friend, uh, Hitler, uh, even though at the time uh, there was something known as sec or paragraph 175, which was in place in Germany this entire time, way before even the rise of, of the Nazis, but it was uh, either unenforced or gay people were allowed to be out and, and do shit. And yeah. um, Hitler originally protected him from elements of the uh, uh, paragraph uh, 175. Um, is that during like the Weimar Republic? times uh, that's a good question um rom <laughs> opposed uh that paragraph 175 um but he still um believed that he didn't like weak or feminine gay mm. men he mm-hmm. thought they like gay men should be strong he he used the word for himself which here we go <laughs> to describe himself meaning same-sex oriented mm. um so uh, Hitler, in spite of attacks against Hitler's gay friend, Rom, um, Hitler still uh, rose to national power in 1933. Uh, at the same time, in June 1933, Hitler named um, him as Reichsleiter, uh, the second highest political rank in the Nazi party, still overseeing this paramilitary group. Also, 1933, though, is the uh, a, a turning point that a lot of articles i read pointed to us uh when they started cracking down on gay shit in yeah. germany yeah. um so it's interesting that like in the same year that he was appointed to this really high rank um they also started cracking down and kind of eventually would would uh turn on on this dude so in uh, in germany they started in 1933 they started shutting down gay clubs they outlawed uh what they called sex publications they banned organized gay groups and Hitler's military advisors uh, started to uh, turn him against uh, Rom. So there were other people that were in charge. Like uh, Himmler was the SS commander, um, which is another 
um, kind of paramilitary group within uh, uh, the Nazis. They they were basically uh, Rom had this very like strong vision of like the SA needs to take over everything, and Hitler was like, no. So they had I think it, part of it was this like dis- political disagreement on the mi- like the military and how the military should be involved, and his advisors saying like he's going to try to take over. Um, and he's going to try to like oust you. And so in, uh, 1934 Hitler, uh, personally arrested Rom and, uh, told him he could either kill himself or he would kill him. Mm-hmm. And Rom, uh, said he would not kill himself. Mm-hmm. And so he was killed. So that was, um, a night known as the night of long knives when 200 other SA officers were arrested. Uh, there were, estimates of 400 killed in this purge Um, that yeah apparently that there's a lot of stuff that was like i bet i learned that one point in time and but it was this big purge of rivals or potential rivals and um rom was one of the people that you know other other uh advisors titler had said like he's dangerous and so he he killed his longtime friend um he then used in spite of not really caring before he used Rom's homosexuality as a justification when other essay he's like this dude was like the leader of the essay so to like kind of explain to essay members why he used homosexuality as the excuse um and interestingly um Himmler the dude who led the SS this other group um that was trying to encouraging Hitler to like get rid of this guy he um initially Himmler initially supported Rom saying that the charges of homosexuality homosexuality were manufactured by Jews sure and then very quickly (laughs) changed to after that night of long knives night of long knives yeah um he changed to say that Hitler promoted Himmler and then um Himmler then became very staunchly anti-homosexual and and like actively like worked very hard against Evil fuckface assholes have been using Ju- the Jewish space laser excuse for a very long time. <laughs> yes. And it's interesting, like, when you try to get a read on their actual feelings about gay people, mo- it seemed like a lot of them didn't care and then just played that card when they needed to, to, yeah. like, get Hitler to get against it or get groups to be against them. Or, like, they, they kind of just use that as their, like, trump card to be like, oh, well, he was gay, so, like, fuck him or whatever. Yeah. Um. So... That was mostly about like uh, there. There is Hitler had this very long time friend that was that he knew was gay and mm. was out, and they were pretty cool with each other until Hitler had him killed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, so since I talked so much about like the actual Nazis and gay Nazis, I will mention a little bit that uh, the uh, Holocaust, of course, not just shitty for Jews, but also for a lot of other groups, including gay men. The police uh, arrested about 100,000 men uh, during this period. About 50% were convicted. Some of them uh, went to concentration camps. Um, And those who were, uh, it was particularly bad. Concentration camps were particularly bad for gay men. Um, They were considered the lowest of the low. Um, Estimates uh, uh, put the number anywhere from 5,000 to 15,000. Um, not only did gay men in the in concentration camps face discrimination from the German soldiers, but also from other members of the concentration camp them, uh, as well. Some were beaten to death by other members mm. um, in the con- concentration camp. 
Um, SS soldiers sometimes use gay men for target practice by aiming at the pink triangles. Jesus. Um, even after camps were liberated, uh, some of the prisoners were then reincarcerated. Like the gay prisoners were reincarcerated. I can't imagine like I'm free. And now like uh, as a result of the allied established federal Republic of Germany, homosexuality still not legal um it wasn't repealed till 1969 so some of them were re-imprisoned even after being liberated from the concentration camps jesus so that's just a little bit about like gay holocaust but also like the gay men like gay members in in the nazi party that's it's it's i just did not realize there would be out gay people as nazis and i don't know the 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 it, it just blows my mind that yeah there's like such a level of like disassociation from other gay people that you're that you somehow think that's okay or i don't know, I don't know. yeah well in, in in talking about like the the, the roaring 20s and how like we were like kind kind of kind of out more right like the the weimar republic i know had like uh that had a lot to do with it was more or less permissive about about LGBT stuff, and uh, so you end up with like gay bars in in, in Berlin and um, gay magazines, and uh, you know a bunch of a bunch of stuff happens in in the twenties. I we took a big old step back because World War Two, yeah. And, and it sounds like like nineteen thirty three seems like the year. It's like really like went to shit for gay people in Germany, oh. um, and that was partially noted by the the um killing of this dude there's a throughout human history there are lots and lots of societies that were okay with you being gay as long as you were totes mask (laughs) and still procreated Mm. like as long as as long as you were getting that good jizz <laughs> working, you you were you were okay. And I, I was reading some stuff this afternoon that like there there were definitely overtones of that in Nazi Germany and you know the the, the white supremacy of like they're the master race, the Aryan race is is superior, and the blonde haired blue eyed genes like you like the sin of being gay was not making more Germans, mm. Um, mm. and. Uh, yeah, it's 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 funny because this this Rom he was sort of writing that line right yeah. like he's the 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 totes mask yeah in the war like support the military wants a giant military presence and yeah it seemed like he uh, for a while was more of an asset to Hitler than a detriment until Hitler's allies convinced him otherwise but, yeah yeah it's I, I it yeah it seems like if you have some kind of military or veteran status that helps um, helps straight people feel better about you as being gay, like being more mm. masculine. There are a lot of things that help straight people feel good about you. You know, you're describing some of them like, but like if you have a military background, if you are more masculine presenting, if you like, if you're religious, like there are all these things that help you, uh, making make being gay count against you a little bit less or let people put up with you as being gay like yeah 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 um is that a good segue yeah it's a good segue here we go (laughs) um 
this that we're that we're talking about uh, actually oh i sorry uh, i got a lot of this, that info from all that's interesting.com so thank you to them thank you to them okay well so i found this really interesting uh, blog post on bluxum bluxumstreetpost.com anyway j- talking about how the castro became the castro in san francisco Ooh. And how it is, it's a, it's an argument can be made that it's a direct result of World War II and and the stuff that happened during that era that made the Castro happen. Um, and so San Francisco already sort of had this like city of tolerance um, type of a reputation. Oh, I need to back up first of all. A lot of gay shit happens in in during World War II in the military, and the the thinking behind it goes: for the first time ever, you're putting dudes around a fuckload of other dudes, yeah, and sending them somewhere together. And there are a lot of like there are a lot of gay things that happen just because gay people find each other. Mm-hmm. And that was a context in which gay people could find each other. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the realization that you're not alone, like how else there's such limited ways to have that happen in those times, other than like you get a giant group of military dudes together, put them together for extended periods of time. Like that's one way to find each other. Yep. And then stuff happens. <laughs> um, but uh, so there's a like once the cat is out of the bag, it's out of the bag effect there are a lot of people that are like oh i can't go back to like sure war sucks but when the war is over i'm not going back to fucking iowa (laughs) to be not gay yeah right and And some of them couldn't because they were discharged with a like piece of paper that was like i was gonna talk maybe i don't know if i'll talk more about that but oh oh, well that i'm gonna talk about it right now oh great oh cool um uh so there are all of these port cities especially that have this sort of gay renaissance that happens at the end of world war two, because all of these sailors and air servicemen, they're not going back to fucking Iowa. What do they do? They stay in the port city that launched their military career. So San Diego, San Francisco to a lesser extent, Seattle, you have, you have similar, similar situations happen on, on the, the East coast. And San Francisco is, is, San Francisco fits fits that whole that whole thing, right? And as uh, as as the war was ending, a lot of gays were moving back to uh, San Francisco because they had known it as a city that was fairly tolerant. They'd had a good experience there, and it wasn't going back home to fucking Iowa. <laughs> There's this place called Treasure Island, which I think is just a, a funny a funny thing to say, but it's in, in San Francisco Bay and it became a major embarkation and naval training center. So there, there are lots of servicemen and women that came to San Francisco on their way to and from Pacific battlefronts like Japan. And so they, Treasure Island sort of became this, like that's where their career was launched. And then that's where they came back to. Also, the 40s were when we really started to crack down on gays in the military. We were we were uh, dishonorably discharging people solely on the basis of their sexual orientation. And what's interesting is that uh, 
when they were dishonorably discharged, they had to be uh, debriefed, and that inevitably would happen at Treasure Island. Yeah, so Treasure Island, during World War II, over 12,000 men a day were being processed through Treasure Island for Pacific Area assignments. But uh, there was a hospital at the naval base on Treasure Island that had a psych ward, and they were... They they studied, they quote, Treasure Island was used to study and experiment on naval sailors who were being discharged for being homosexual. And uh, I just, I don't know, that is so creepy. Like, go ahead. Yeah, I, I wrote down some of the shit they did to um, people when they were discharging them. They There were apparently abusive interrogations about their relationship, their solitary confinement. They had uh, either put them in hospitals or in queer stockades they were referred to as a lot um they were physically abused sometimes subject to humiliation in front of in front of other uh soldiers um in some of the psych words they would perform experiments on them to see how they could identify gay people during the recruitment process to like basically avoid it and one of the experiments was called the gag test they if the recruit did not show a gag reflex when they put a tongue depressor in their mouth they were presumed gay guilty the way <laughs> the way people try to d- figure out if you're gay yeah like is just i don't know it's it's insane i like yeah 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 and it's just, it's so sad because there's just there's nothing wrong with, with them yeah. right um so this this article on the castro says san francisco's homosexual population had been growing steadily since world war ii when a number of military personnel from the Pacific arena were dishonorably discharged in the Bay area for their sexual orientation. And uh, many other homosexual veterans remembered San Francisco as a tolerant, open-minded city and returned after the war. Uh, By 1980, it was estimated that 17% of the city's population, 115,000 people were homosexual. Wow. And so there's this there's this other thing that happens in a lot of places, not just San Francisco, where uh, the 1950s roll around and there's all of this prosperity and growth and fucking babies popping out left and right, <laughs> the baby boomer generation. And uh, part, of, part of the migration pattern during World War II, a lot of people moved from the South, particularly African-Americans, and settled in northern cities. Those urban corridors then experienced this phenomenon called white flight where white people basically didn't like that. There were all of these people of color that were moving into their city. So they moved out of the city and made suburbs a thing that creates this really interesting pocket for, uh, there's cheaper rent. There's space available for things like gay clubs. And then the, the change in demographics also made it so that those cities tended to have more liberal and tolerant policies Mm -hmm. towards gay stuff. Even if it's just like, like in New York looking the other way, right? Like the, the Stonewall got, got to, got to operate as a gay bar because the, the laws weren't being enforced and the mob was paying off the, the police. And, um, but there, the, the, the white flight, out into the suburbs really created this niche for gay culture. And um, it, I, I think it's, 
it's it's really it's really interesting because it happens the similar pattern happens in a whole bunch of different cities um uh where was i going with that thanks world war ii wah, wah. i don't know <laughs> um I, I i i think things wax and wane right like there's the the 1890s where like there's a little bit of time there when like gay stuff was kind of okay and there's the 20s and the roaring 20s have this this period of time where gay stuff is okay the immediately world war ii and just after world war ii there's a similar sort of like gay renaissance that happens at least in this country Mm -hmm. um and uh we have we have a lot of gayberhoods the the seeds of them start germinating in in uh, post World War Two because of all of these changes that are happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. I, I uh, had a similar thing. I was going to talk about like some of the discharges, like you said, happened during World War Two for being gay, and they started like they were issuing these blue uh mm. discharge papers so it became a blue discharge gross gross yeah so disgusting <laughs> you're probably gay if you have blue discharge do not google blue waffle <laughs> what blue waffle yeah don't do it i okay <laughs> at this point at this point in like learning about stuff you know my curiosity doesn't get the i don't want to you know sometimes i'm just like i don't want to know stuff mm-hmm. anyway uh so both african americans and and gay people were discharged under this blue discharge which was not um uh was not dishonorable or honorable it was something in the middle but then the social connotation of what that meant came to lead it to be dishonorable um even though not officially the va after the war said they would not like give the same rights to uh, or, or they would not provide benefits to people who got a blue discharge. Uh, a lot of the reasons, you know, you mentioned people don't want to go back home. Like sometimes if they, you have a blue discharge paper, you can't, can't go back yeah. home because people know what that means. So they kind of had to s- stay away, but then they couldn't get employment. Um, they, there were like all of these effects of getting the blue discharge. Um, and, uh, I think it's only I've been reading about in the past few years, like there's an article about an African-American soldier who finally got his blue discharge changed to an honorable discharge. Like, you know, there's some bills that, that try to do this in mass um, and other times. If you're experiencing a blue discharge, do whatever you can to clear that shit up. Contact Obama. I think. <laughs> uh, should I tell you about something about a little bit of a gay haven during the world war two. Sure. Yeah. Um, these were the bells of world war two. Um, there was, uh, in new Caledonia, which is an Island off the Eastern uh, coast of Australia. It was a, an important allied base. Uh, in 1942, it became the, uh, main U S uh, base for U.S. Navy in the South Pacific, mm. uh, largest South Pacific base aside from Australia. Um, there were up to anywhere from forty to fifty thousand troops in this um, uh, in the the capital of New uh, Caledonia, which is Numo Numo Numiu. Um, you found it, sure. <laughs> um, and uh, and that was like almost equal to the population of the island itself. Yeah. So huge like you know half the people are these um 
uh, U.S. Navy uh, men that that live there. Um, and uh, a historian, his name is uh, Yorick Small, um, wrote an article in 2017 uh, that uh, surely he has a book or something that goes into far more depth because this is just uh, a hint of what was happening there. But it's really interesting. He discovered that there was this official investigation into this large subculture among the American soldiers that were there that were essentially gay men. So there were all of these self-described bells, which were men who adopted feminine social roles. Um, they went by queer person. They had these queer personas. They went by different names. Some of the examples of names were Seabiscuit and Canteen Mary. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> um, they use female pronouns. It talked about how they would uh, dish, <laughs> meaning like gossip about other personnel and carry on, um, which is an expression referring to public mockery and, and flamboyant spectacle. Great. It's, Great. It's, it's so interesting because like, like so many things you can't, put a name, a modern day name on these. They sound like some kind of combination of like either uh, they're not trans because they took on, they all, even though they took on these social roles of women and, and female pronouns, like drag Queens, there's like some yeah. combination or like of queer men, drag Queens and, tr and trans women that, they, uh, that seem yeah. to like, you know, would put them in any of those kind of camps yeah, or yeah, adjacent yeah. to, which is, but it was just, they were very out about it. It was public. They were, um, the, uh, I was like reading through the diaries of this one dude that like uh, talked about it. And it's just so interesting how, you know, we talked about like when you get all of these men together and you start to recognize these things, like some of it is, Oh, uh, like now it's okay to be gay or be outwardly queer in a way that I never was before other people. It's situational because they're like, you know, stuck and don't really have options. Um, but there are times where it's just okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, a lot of people who, think that being again this is not exactly but like assume a, a sexual or gender binary or that gay or trans is new it's like when this happened in the early 40s like yeah. there was an entire society for a couple years where it was cool yeah, so like right, yeah <laughs> you just don't you don't know that it continually happens over and over again throughout history where those binaries are not real like right, they're not yeah. they're just or societally constructed uh, uh someone's diary got into the wrong hands and it led to a month months long investigation that resulted in a lot of people being forced to resign boo yeah yeah boo but yeah the bells of world war ii of course the navy you know yeah <laughs> yeah thanks village people um <laughs> well that's it's funny that you talk about like we've always always been here or things happening for longer than maybe we we think mm -hmm. i i want to talk to you about michael dillon okay have you heard the name michael dillon no michael dillon was born the first of may 1915 and uh, uh was a british physician but uh was also the first trans man to undergo phalloplasty wow. um, gender confirmation surgery and uh it can't have been that good at the time could it i mean like, the, the first one we're not not got a lot of practice uh, on on it but um um yeah in so where do i want to start with this uh really really smart dude he was a doctor and um he in 1939 
sought treatment from Dr. George Foss because he had long been more comfortable in men's clothing and was more self-assured as a male. Uh, Dr. Foss had been experimenting with testosterone to treat excessive menstrual bleeding, and uh, but but put Dylan on testosterone. Like, Interesting. I think of hormone replacement therapy as being a totally modern thing. It was the fucking 30s. Yeah. And puts him on, on testosterone. So... Uh, he insisted that Dylan con- consult a psychiatrist first, and uh, then this is problematic. Apparently, the psychiatrist um, gossiped about his desire to become a man, and soon the story was all over town. Oh, God. So he had to leave town and move to a different city. He moved to, to Bristol. Um, but uh, apparently, being on testosterone made it possible for him to pass as male and uh, got a job at a garage. And... Um, was transitioned uh, you know was was he him pronouns uh, and that's how everybody knew him was going by michael anyway so he suffered from hypoglycemia and had like these phases of low blood sugar and uh, twice fell down and hit his head because of this low blood sugar thing and uh, the second time, he was in the Royal Infirmary recovering and happened to come to the attention of one of the world's few practitioners of plastic surgery. Hmm. His name was Dr. Harold Gillies, and uh, he performed a double mastectomy and provided Dylan with a doctor's note that enabled him to legally change his birth certificate. Wow, you could do, you could do that via doctor's note? Because there were no like laws against it, probably, mm, yeah. right? Like. I, I, I wonder if like it's lack of public awareness benefited him at that time. Cause yeah. it's like, I is like some person working at the birth certificate office gets like a doctor that says like male. And you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Like, well, so we fixed it. The yeah. doctor said so. Yeah. 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 Um, so Gillies had done some penis reconstructions for soldiers that were injured in uh, the war. Huh? And had also done some surgery on intersex people with ambiguous genitalia and was willing to perform a phalloplasty, but not immediately. Uh, He had so many wounded soldiers from World War II that he was booked solid and just couldn't get to uh, um, Dylan. So... In 1945, Dillon enrolled in medical school at Trinity College in Dublin under his new legal name, Lawrence Michael Dillon. And um, he lied to the registrar to... Uh, he had his records altered to show that he'd graduated from an all-male school at called Brazen Rose instead of the Women's College at St. <laughs> Anne's. And um, uh, so then Dr. Gillies performed at least 13 surgeries on him between wow. 1946 and 1949. And... Uh, a a couple of interesting things. He officially diagnosed Dylan with acute hypospadias, which is actually a, uh, a, a a problem with uh, penis formation. Hmm. Um, So he diagnosed him with having penis issues when the, the whole point was they were trying to make a penis. Interesting. Um, And the the other thing is uh, uh, despite the fact that he never went to the war, he uh, blamed war injuries and used war injuries as an excuse to take some of these surgeries. So like, yeah, World War II is happening. I'll I'll pretend. Yeah, that's, that's what's going on. Throw you into this. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
He also had some, like, I think understandable psychological stuff happening. He, um, despite being straight, avoided forming close relationships with women. And uh, he said he was afraid that, quote, one must not lead a girl on if one cannot give her children. Hmm. And uh, so he deliberately cultivated this uh, reputation of being a misogynist Hmm. and um, to keep women. Yeah at arm's length or, or whatever. But um, it, he, it, there are lots of examples of like uh, uh, gender confirmation surgeries going, going poorly or uh, resulting even in like, uh, where did it go? Oh, I erased it. Son of a bitch. I was going to talk a little bit at one point about um, the first, uh, the first vaginoplasty, which actually happened before it was in the 30s and um but unfortunately she did not survive the last one she developed an infection anyway he survived it all and lived until 1962 was a doctor and did um, like had this crazy awesome medical career and uh then later on um he was sort of outed again and moved to india and became a, a buddhist and it just it, it, he had such an, a super super interesting life but yeah in in uh world war Two was the, the the setting for the the first the first um phalloplasty and kind of the excuse the doctor could give and for the, yeah, performing it yeah exactly exactly so yeah it's crazy yeah. that's this, michael dillon this was not the point of your story but don't don't perform any kind of operations on the genitals of intersex people. That's You're a right. horrifying thing that needs to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unless they were adults and wanted that. Well, uh, yes. Right? It's like not like babies. when you're a Don't baby. Don't do that to babies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same with circumcision, but that's not the point. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to save my, I'm going to talk about the pink triangle okay. for Patreon. If you're oh. cool with that. Yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, so that's all I have. Do you have anything else? We didn't talk about Alan Turing yet, which like there's so much shit about everyone's like kind of rediscovering Alan Turing within the past like five years or so. You can probably go somewhere else to find out about him. He was gay. Yeah, he was gay. He was important for World War Two. I mean, World War Two, we're talking about like it's it's this massive amount of time. It's this massive amount of political stuff that's happening. It, like there's so much happening in the culture. We can't cover it in an hour right? then again not as much time as share so right that's true <laughs> we, that's true share did last a lot longer <laughs> um i guess we did it you seem to not know if you have any more segments or not. there's like, just so many other ways other directions that we could go oh. right like there's there's a lot that we could still talk yeah. about it but like we just gave a a taste well you get a little nibble of gazed in world war ii yeah it's what's most interesting to me is the the conflict of how horrifying it is especially for gay people and and queer people in germany as a part of the holocaust how this kicked off a lot of the military especially in the u.s uh like hatred of gay people in the military but also how important and unifying it was for gay people it's a very weird um kind of to have both things happen at the same time, like to, to, to bring gay people together in this unique way that then created some of these neighborhoods or, or allowed people to see each other for the first time or decide to be, or be forced to be out for the first time. It's, uh, yeah, it's very, it's a very weird, 
I don't know. World War Two. I did. I did not realize how important World War Two was for gay history. Uh, other than like, uh, you know, I knew about like the Holocaust, like specifically, and a lot of it, even people like I just t- told my parents for the first time that like gay people were amongst those like mm. put in concentration camps. So like some people don't even know that kind of basic piece. But like even beyond that, I did not realize the importance of World War Two for gay people in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, me neither. So thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for uh, getting to do a topic we uh, probably, I probably would not have signed up for otherwise. And yeah, super interesting. Uh, pink triangles at the break. Okay. Should we take a break? Let's take a break. Let's take a break and invade Normandy or something. Poland? I don't know. Poland. Yeah, let's invade Poland. Pole land. Ooh, I'll pull up <laughs> land my pole. <laughs> So are we back? We're back. We're back. Uh, before we do our gay sincerities, okay. Before I want to do a couple programming notes. Great. One, mm-hmm. uh, if you saw, uh, we uh, did a little uh, giveaway after uh, Dan's Patreon segment about chastity. Um, he he uh, tagged the maker uh, CBX of uh, chastity products that. Um, and then they they got back to me like, hey, we'll we'll give some chastity shit to to your audience. So we had a little contest uh, on Patreon. Anyone who was a ten dollar and up person and submitted a reason they wanted it. Winner announcing the winner. Drum roll, please. Denzel Boilo. Hooray, Denzel. Denzel. Uh, congrats. You are the winner of a gold chastity device from CBX. So a body like Arnold with a Denzel face. Now that's got to go on. on the... I don't know what that means. Okay. I'll explain it to, like, to you later. Eh, okay. <laughs> um, do I have to be there when you do? <laughs> um, so congrats, Denzel. So uh, shoot us a, a message somewhere and give us your address so we can get it over to you. Yeah. Um. One other thing, after a lot of uh, trying to get my documentary out there, a lot of rejections and difficulty, I'm, uh, or I guess Gayish Media is going to release it ourselves. So uh, yeah, we is. the first weekend of December, so uh, December 3rd is when that's coming out. It's called For Attention. Um, and yeah, we'll have more details on it, but just want to let everyone know that. Yeah, it's on the horizon. Somebody asked during the Q and A episode too, and we didn't quite get around to that one. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's exciting stuff. Yeah, yeah. Exciting is it's such a weird thing to like put out chronicle a personal documentary dealing with depression self harm is like a very difficult thing to get excited about. Yeah. But also it is. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I've been working on that for, I, I had worked on that for forever, so it'll be nice to, uh, I don't know, have more than just a few people see it. Yeah, for hopefully, sure. Hopefully. Yep. Get ready. Hold on to your butts, kids. Hold it's on coming. to your butts. Gayest is greatest? Well, no. Our website is gayishpodcast.com. Oh, right. That whole thing. Um, our social media, we're at gayishpodcast on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, other stuff. Our hotline, you can send us text messages or leave us voicemails, is 5855-GAY-ISH. That's 585-542-9474. Standard rate supply. Our email is gayishpodcast at gmail.com. And our physical mailing address is Post Office Box 19882, Seattle, Washington, 98109. 
I would like to ask everybody to mm. do the four R's. Rate, review, rubscribe, and recommend. It does indeed make a gigantic difference, even if you don't think it does. So do <laughs> one or all of those, please, for my birthday, which fucking Dan's birthday is tomorrow when this airs, and mine is two days after that, and that's what I want, is for you to mm. do one or more of the four R's, you fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do this often, but I like decided to pop into the reviews, and oh. it'd be... It'd be nice if there could be some good ones up top. <laughs> is all I, I want to say, and I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now you want to do our gayest and straightest? Yeah, sure. I'll go first. Okay, great. Um, my gayest is I bought a new skirt. Great. Uh, it, it the the first skirt that I bought was is long and like can kind of be. Uh, like it might look like I have MC Hammer pants on, maybe from like you can't totally tell for sure that yeah. it's uh, it's a skirt billowy. Always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this one is like a very clear skirt with like pleats and everything, and I wore it out one night at like 2 a.m. when I was taking Reynolds out, f- like the last time of the night, and so mm-hmm. no one saw it, but it's I'm still counting it as yeah. w- wore it outside for reals. Um, my straightest. Someone mentioned this in the uh, Patreon happy hour we had uh, last week. Uh, someone mentioned we were talking about Lady Gaga and her acting, and um, I referred to A Star Is Born as that singing movie, and mm-hmm. so I forget who. So you can let me know um, in the comments. Mentioned that should be your gay or your straightest <laughs> thing is calling it that singing movie. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, you can retitle anything you want to, as far as I'm concerned. You probably do a better job. Oh, I. You know what? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I would go see that singing that movie. That singing movie featuring that <laughs> rah-rah bitch. <laughs> um, so the gayest thing about me this week, there's a bar here in town called CC's. It's short for CC Addle, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> anyway, uh, the first Saturday of every month, they have fetish night. And I went and I wore, uh, I kind of have a thing for metallic underwear. And now I own some and I wore them. Huh. Um, like, like not just shiny like metal shiny but like actually made of metal no metal oh, shiny oh metal shiny okay okay no, that makes more sense me- metal shiny i don't know what it is something about it hmm. i really I, I enjoy it anyway um so yeah i wore those i wore those out um but then the straightest thing about me is that i also wore jeans and a button up and did not take them off so nobody <laughs> saw them <laughs> you know sometimes your uh your fetish can be your own little secret yeah it was it hmm. was I'll I'll get there someday. I'll get there. Yeah. It's funny too because I like was very uncomfortable with the number of people that were there, and um, like like a half a dozen of Dan's polycule stopped by to make sure that I was okay because <laughs> they they were a lot of them were there that night. Were you uncomfortable because of COVID or just yeah. like oh okay yeah um yeah I'm I've been to finish night pre pandemic times many many times yeah. I like I know what to expect in terms of like pup hoods and adult baby diaper lovers and yeah. like yeah. people are going to get hung from the ceiling and like <laughs> you know flogged i like i yeah. i'm prepared for all of that it was just the like the sheer number of people that were there yeah. was a lot to handle yeah cc's fetish night is a good source of your gayest things though that's a solid solid flow of of gay stuff absolutely yeah solid flow of blue <laughs> discharge <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is it. Okay. A, uh, a special thank you to all of the World War II veterans, gay or not. Sure. Wow. 
I don't. I didn't think we cared about the non, but especially the gay ever. ones. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you to Mar- Mark Walcott for yeah. requesting this episode topic. Absolutely. Hope hope you. We did it. Hope you were okay with it. And thank you to fucking Dan for not being here, but coming back next week. Yeah, uh, fucking Dan. Would be, fucking Dan has been on assignment <laughs> out in Palm Springs. Uh, there's probably some content that's going to come out of that I'm trip to Palm Springs. Sure, there is. <laughs> uh, I also want to thank our super gap bridgers, Josh Copeland. <gasps> Uh, Forrest Nail, Patrick Martin, Anonymous, James Barrow, Ex- Explosive Lasagna, Christopher Farrell, Jamie Pugh, Kevin Henderson, Tipsy McStumbles, Donald Linsky, Dusty B, Thomas B, Dusty Sands, A.E. Coleman, Yay! Uh, Chris Kachatorian, Jerome York, and C.N. and Javi. That is it. This has been Gayish from the Chris Kachatorian Studios. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. Goodbye. Bye. Um. Oh, I I forgot I forgot too, Carly. I don't know how to get it in here, but uh, uh Carly and I uh were joking the other night about um six degrees of segregation, <laughs> which I think is hilarious.